Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Matthew. Hey, faithful listeners, thank you for tuning in this morning to the P40 Ministries podcast, and I am your host, Jen, here. And tomorrow is the last day of season one of the P40 Ministries podcast that is just so exciting and kind of weird and surreal a little bit that we're already in season two of the P40 Ministries podcast, which is kind of crazy. Another cool thing I wanted to mention is that P40 Ministries is now officially named P40 Ministries LLC, meaning I am now officially a business by my state, which is super duper cool. I never expected to be a businesswoman, but I suppose I am now. (laughs) So um, I'm not going to change the name of the podcast to anything like the P40 Ministries LLC podcast. That's ridiculous, but I'm just really excited that I am now an LLC, and I wanted to share that with you guys, but let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 24 here, verses 1 through 14. I will be reading out of the W.E.B. version of the Bible, but if you prefer a different version of the Bible, go ahead and read out of that one. So grab your cup of coffee. Let's go ahead and start reading this chapter. This chapter for me is a little bit hard to read just to let you guys know. There's going to be some things I just don't have the answers to because a lot of this is taking place in the future. So let's go ahead and read this and try to decipher it as well as we can. Jesus went out from the temple and was going on his way. His disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple, but he answered them, You see all of these things, don't you? Most certainly, I tell you, there will not be left here one stone on another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered them, Be careful that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you aren't troubled, for all of this must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, plagues, and earthquakes in various places. But all of these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to oppression and will kill you. You will be hated by all of the nations for my name's sake. Then many will stumble and will deliver up one to another and will hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will lead many astray. Because iniquity will be multiplied, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. This good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world for a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Like I said, this stuff is kind of hard for me to talk about a little bit, mainly because A, it's a little bit scary, and B, it hasn't happened yet, or at least not in this capacity that Jesus is talking about, especially when we get more into this chapter. In uh, Matthew 24, Jesus will be talking about a lot of stuff that hasn't happened yet and won't happen until the end times. But let's go ahead and start at verse 1 here. It says that Jesus was leaving the temple, 
and he was completely leaving. He was leaving and departing. This was the last time on his ministry on earth that he was going to be in the temple teaching. He was done with that place. He was done with the Pharisees. He told the Pharisees off a little bit that we learned about in Matthew 23, and uh, he was now done. He was done with that ministry. And so it says that his disciples came with him, and they actually wanted to show him around a little bit and take him on a tour of all the various temple buildings because the temple was extremely beautiful. It was super beautiful, and it was huge. It had lots of buildings and uh, a main building for the priest to go into that only the priest was allowed to enter. In fact, they say that the temple had gold plates on it. It was extremely beautiful and it also had marble so that it looked white, super white, like snow almost. And so the, the temple was just gorgeous and it was kind of an architectural marvel in a sense. And I believe at this point in time, from my understanding of history, Herod was not quite done rebuilding the temple. I believe that Herod was still building onto the temple during the time of Jesus, and they actually didn't finish the temple completely, I think, until around AD 60 or something like that. And uh, the temple was, in fact, destroyed only a few years later. It says here that Jesus basically prophesies about that. And he says, yeah, the temple is not going to be here for much longer. Yes, the temple is very beautiful, but not one single stone here will be left on top of another, which was very, very true. In AD 70, the Romans came and absolutely destroyed the temple. They took all of those gold bricks, basically, and absolutely desecrated the temple so much that there's not, there was nothing left of it. It was exactly how Jesus prophesied that the temple would just be completely destroyed and demolished, pretty much. So it says that the disciples were very curious, and they were going up to the Mount of Olives. And I believe that the Mount of Olives actually overlooked the temple, so they were looking down at it. And uh, the disciples were sitting around with Jesus at the Mount of Olives. And this would have been very, very busy. You remember that Jesus was not a native of Jerusalem. He was coming to visit for the Passover dinner. So he and his disciples had taken a trip into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So they were not natives of Jerusalem. The temple would have been a really incredible thing for them to see, of course. So they're overlooking the temple and the disciples ask Jesus a question. And they're like, so what events? are going to signal your return and the end of the world. And when will this happen? So I believe that the disciples were kind of asking one question, or at least believed that they were asking one question. I think they believed that Jesus was saying that when the temple was destroyed, that the end of the world would actually be coming because that would be a horrific, traumatic event for the Jewish people. I believe that they also thought that Jesus would be coming back at that time as well. These events would all be related to one another. So they ask, when will this happen and what events will signal your return and at the end of the world? So it says that Jesus told them, he says, don't let anyone fool you. So he's answering their question in an kind of an odd way because firstly the temple being destroyed had nothing to do with Jesus's return. It was a terrible thing that happened, but that did not signal Jesus's coming back. 
So Jesus answers their question. He says, don't let anyone fool you. Many will come in my name, claiming to be the Messiah and will lead many astray, which has happened all throughout history. From the time of Jesus, people claim to be Messiah and lead many astray. And it says that when you hear of wars beginning, this does not signal my return. These must come, but the end is not yet. So we know all about different wars that have happened over the years. We had to learn about them in history class. I remember the war of 1812. It was the only war I could remember the year of (laughs) the war of 1812. I didn't know any of the other wars and any of the other years. And so um, it's just kind of funny. But I remember having to sit and learn in class the different years of the different wars. I'm like, oh, this is so boring. But anyway, it says that Jesus is saying, when you hear about all these wars, this does not signal my return. These wars must happen, but the end is not yet. And also Jesus talks about rumors of wars. So not just wars that break out, but also rumors of wars. For example, the Cold War, everyone believed that, you know, Russia and the United States were going to duke it out, basically. And that was a huge issue in the 50s. I think it was, was it the 50s? Like I said, I don't remember. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so um, that was a huge issue, but it was just a rumor. It was a rumor of a war that never ended up happening, fortunately, because that would have been really bad. But basically, Jesus is talking about wars and rumors of wars signaling the beginning of the birth pains. Now, what does that mean? So a birth pain, for any of you women who have given birth, knows that birth pains come gradually. They're not so bad at the beginning. Well, they're bad, but they're not as bad at the beginning. And then when you give birth, they're horrific. And so these are the beginning stages of the birth pains is what Jesus says. He says that these things are going to signal the beginning, the beginning of the birth pains, and they're going to continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse until I come back. And so he says here, um, so these things must happen. So don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid at all. I have everything under control. These things are going to happen, but they have to happen in order for me to come back. Now, I don't know what Jesus means by that. I don't know why these things have to happen for him to come back. Only God knows why these things have to take place in order for him to come back. But it probably has something to do with the gospel being spread even further so that more people can come to God, as odd as that sounds. And I'm not quite sure how God accomplishes that, but he does accomplish everything for his good. And that includes all of this stuff that we are going to talk about regarding the end times. He accomplishes everything for good, for spreading the gospel, for bringing people closer to him. You know, God has it all in his hands. He's in control of everything. And he continues to say that the nations and the kingdoms of the earth will rise against each other and there will be famines, earthquakes, and pestilences in many places. But this is only the beginning of the horrors to come. A while back, I think it was last year, right in the middle of all that COVID stuff, when, uh, you know, everyone was so scared and everyone was like, this is the end times. And perhaps it is. And I'm sure we are getting closer, of course, to the return of Jesus. But I personally don't think that we are at the end times, like the end times that it talks about 
in the bowls in Revelation. We'll talk about the bowls later on and once we get to Revelation, which is way down the road. But I, I personally don't think we're there yet. I think we are in the birth pains. I think the birth pains started happening when Jesus was crucified. I personally think that's when they started happening, the birth pains. But I also think that we aren't in the beginning stages of the birth pains either. I personally believe we're somewhere right in the middle. I don't think the end is eminent yet. I just... I I don't see it quite yet. I think there's some things that need to happen first before before what Jesus says here does happen. But I could be completely wrong because God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> we all know that saying, but he does. I mean, Jesus, when Jesus came to earth... It was prophesied about in Isaiah, right? And, you know, everybody believed Jesus would come to earth in a particular certain way, basically. And they were all wrong. Everyone was wrong. Jesus did not come to earth in that way. And Jesus also didn't toot his own horn either. And so the people saw Jesus, were around Jesus. He was the Messiah. And most of them probably didn't believe that he was actually the Messiah, and that's just unfortunate because he was the Messiah and people needed to come to him. But one way or the other, people didn't believe it for the most part. They misinterpreted the prophets, which <laughs> if we're looking at Revelation nowadays, I don't think there's a way that we can really possibly ever fully understand it. We might be able to get little snippets here and there, but God does not work or think in the same ways that we work and think. So it's going to be probably extremely different than anything we think it's going to be. God is in control of everything and he protects people. And there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about don't be afraid because God has you in his hands. He's leading you. He's doing all of this. So we don't need to be afraid when Jesus talks about this stuff because He's still in control of everything. Yes, these things are going to happen because Jesus said that they are going to happen. So yes, there is no denying that these things are going to happen. But we don't have to be afraid of them because we do have God on our side. And he's always going to take care of us and protect us. So it says here in verse 9, Jesus continues on. He says, then after the beginning of the birth pains, he says that the Christians are going to be tortured and killed and hated all over the world because you are mine. And many of you shall fall back into sin and betray and hate each other. Those two are linked, those two verses, because persecution is going to start happening in the church. And I do believe it's going to happen in Western cultures as well. It's already starting. It's happening so badly all over the world. And it's going to start happening in America. That's just the nature of the beast. Honestly, uh, Christians are constantly persecuted for what they believe in. <laughs> if I'm being 100% honest, I'm throwing this in here. I'm rabbit trailing a lot during this. I'm sorry. But we kind of don't help ourselves either. <laughs> um, because Christians have a tendency to kind of be like the Pharisees in, uh, in Jesus's day. We have a tendency to believe since we're going to church that we are holy and we're okay for the week and everything like that. But I'm not going to talk about that right now. But anyway, it says here that Jesus says that the Christians are going to be tortured and killed and hated all over the world because you are mine. And many of you shall fall back into sin and betray and hate each other. And that's within the church. Once this persecution starts happening, other Christians, or I should say Christians, quote unquote, are going to start betraying the real Christians. Unfortunately, they are going to start hating 
other Christians because firstly, they're afraid. They don't want to actually be tortured or anything like that. So they're going to be people who betray the real Christians. And so we're going to start seeing a lot of phonies coming out within the Christian churches, unfortunately. It says that they're, the Christians that are not actually Christians are going to fall back into sin, betray, and hate each other. After this, many false prophets will appear and lead many astray, which is what happens. False leaders, false teachers, and false prophets are literally everywhere right now. And, and we see this happening because we see churches that were once prominent being completely destroyed by their own preachers who had once made these churches prominent places. There's a church in my area, who, which was a very big church at one point, a very large church. Well, large for my area. I live out in the sticks. But it was a big church for our area, and it recently went under, kind of. It, it had a huge schism because the pastor of that church turned out to be a false leader without saying anything else. He turned out to be a false leader. And so we, we're seeing this happening more and more often, at least at least churches in America. I am seeing it happen more and more often, unfortunately. And so it says that, you know, these false teachers are going to rise up. They're going to lead many people astray, which is what happened at that church that is near me. Uh, he led so many people astray. It's just, it's insanely sad what happened to that church. But after this, Jesus says that sin will be rampant everywhere and will cool the love of many. Or in other words, the love of many will grow cold, which I believe is what's happening right now in America. We see this happening nowadays. And even within the churches, churches now are fighting over the dumbest little things. Why are we fighting over these, these stupid little issues? They're barely issues. So why are we making them these huge issues? Over the past year, so many people have left the church. It's just been really, really sad how many people have really given up on the church and uh, are upset about certain political things or about how, you know, everything happened with COVID and just different issues like that. And... I don't understand that. If it's not a core issue, if it is not a morality issue or something we're teaching that is just completely incorrect based off of scripture, like say we're just fully twisting the Bible, then I understand leaving a church. But I do not understand leaving a church for anything other than those particular things, in my opinion. Jesus is saying here that churches are going to start tearing themselves apart from the inside out. I think this right here is the stage we are at in this entire thing, because this right here, verses 11, 12, and 13 are exactly what's happening within the churches nowadays. I'm not sure about around the world right now, but in America, at least, I think this is the stage we are in, and I'm seeing this everywhere, and it's not just in my church. I know a lot of other people who are big in their churches, and they're saying, same thing's happening in my church, same thing's happening in my church, same thing's happening in my church. And these are completely different churches in completely different states. So how can the same issue be happening in several different churches around the country, all over the country, the same exact issues be happening? That's not a coincidence. There is something funky going on in our churches right now, and we need to stop it. We need to get back into church, and we need to stop getting angry over every single little thing that is going on in our churches. It says here that Jesus says that the love of many is going to grow cold. 
We are going to be ripping our churches from the inside out. But those enduring to the end shall be saved. It says here that if we do that, we will be saved in the end. After this, Jesus says that the good news and the kingdom will be preached throughout the entire world so that all the nations hear it. And then finally, the end will come. I think we're not in the end stages yet. Personally, I don't think that the gospel has been spread in every single nation yet. I think there are still a lot of nations and a lot of peoples that haven't heard the gospel yet. And I'd say that, yes, I think there are a lot of people who do have access to the Bible, but there's a lot, a ton of people all over the world that do not have access to the Bible. And so I think that what Jesus is saying here is, firstly, the gospel is going to have to be spread to everyone, all the nations, and also that even though the churches are going to be tearing themselves apart, they're going to remain strong enough to spread the gospel throughout the nations. So this is something to be excited about, actually. Even though we might have this birth pain of churches tearing themselves apart and trying to hurt each other, with God's help, the real Christians will come out on top and the nations will hear the gospel of Christ. So that's something to say there. Like I said before, I was saying that Jesus has us all in his hands. So the fact that the Christians do come out on top is saying something about Jesus's power. Men cannot harm us if Jesus doesn't allow it. And so the Christian church will remain strong and the gospel will be spread to every nation. So friends and faithful listeners, thanks for listening to this episode. Sorry I ranted a few times. Um, some of these issues are just heavy on my heart right now, especially regarding the churches. I actually want to write a, a book about that in the coming years or even months. I'd love to write a book about some of the issues I'm seeing within the churches and something I saw at the beginning of all of this, unfortunately. But basically the point I'm trying to get across is that I just want everybody to remain strong, to remain strong in their faith, to remain strong within the church and to start loving people again. Start asking God, God, how can I love these people that are around me again? Just start loving God, you know, loving God and loving other people. It's so important to do. And so we need to do that. We need to have that kind of faith. We need to have that kind of love. That is what is required of us as Christians. But friends and faithful listeners, we will finish out this chapter in the next coming days. So join me on Thursday and we will discuss the rest. Well, probably not the rest. No, we won't finish the rest of Matthew 24, but we will get through another portion of Matthew 24 on Thursday. Join me then at 6 a.m. If you liked this episode, go ahead and share it to your friends and your family members and on your social media platforms and also rate it five stars from whatever platform you are listening on. But thank you so much once again. Happy listening and God bless.